Hello, Open Arms. It's so great to be with you and really excited to preach to you today a word that I believe is from God, is for our church, a word for this season that I know may challenge you in some areas, but I'm praying that it will sharpen you, shape you, and prepare you, and enlighten you to what God is calling to do within you and through you. And we're looking at the scripture found in the book of Galatians chapter 1. If you want to turn there, if you've got your Bibles or on your phones, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 through 16. This is, the writer is the Apostle Paul, or Saint Paul as many know him, and he he begins off, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus. This is important that he receives the gospel. We receive the gospel by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. A religion we know is based on what we do and what we don't do. It's a man-made religion. Not, it's not what God has for us. It's not faith-based. It's, it's based on the law and how good we are. He says, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews and my zeal, which is my, my passion and commitment and desire for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then at the appointed time and at the right time, it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would receive a revelation of Jesus so that Jesus would be revealed to me. My life will be changed forevermore so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And today I want to speak to you in the title, Receiving the Revelation of Jesus. And I pray for you that you would receive a fresh and a new and a dynamic revelation of Jesus. And Lord, I pray right now for every single person hearing these words, that God, the revelation of Jesus would well up within them, that God, that you would speak to us through this word, that you would shape us, prepare us, and sharpen us. And I pray as I speak this word, God, that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, recently, um, I've been receiving different mentorship and coaching from, from various different friends of mine who've become friends, great pastors, leaders. And recently, one, one pastor was talking to me about, about preaching, and he said something that struck me. He says, you know, today our, our world has changed, just particularly in this year and a half, but people are, are no longer searching for content. You know, in fact, we are saturated with content. We are overwhelmed and overloaded with great content, whether it's Netflix, Sky, Prime, or, or podcasts, YouTube. We, you know, all of our time in the day could be filled up with great content. And when it comes to, to preaching and teaching in particular, you know, we're just a few clicks away from the greatest preachers in the world, like Stephen Furtick or T.D. Jakes or Brian Houston or Timothy Keller. We are inundated with great content content information and knowledge but here equally so what has changed within us is that we have become insatiably hungry starving craving and crying out for revelation and vulnerability 
revelation and vulnerability. In particular, we are searching for leaders and teachers and preachers who would preach to us uh, direct revelation received from Jesus and also being able to share vulnerably and openly and honestly the, the life experiences of, of brokenness and, and pain and what's going on in our life so that it would encourage us. We are searching for and desiring for revelation and vulnerability. And in particular for me in this past season, I've been on quite a journey in relation to vulnerability. And I've realized and come to the realization that I have unconsciously over many of my adult life linked vulnerability with weakness. I don't know if this is just a trait of me or for many men, but, but in my mind, I want to be strong. Therefore, I struggle to be vulnerable. For some reason, I, I've convinced myself that in order for Sean to be strong, I need to be strong inside myself and to continue pressing on. And, and vulnerability is weakness. And what I've learned since then through many, many hours of, of counseling and, you know, doing it the wrong way, I've, I've learned that the strongest and the bravest thing that I can do is to be vulnerable, is to be open. And for me personally, it's I've struggled with this and come across sometimes even cold to those closest to me where on the outside I may seem, you know, drawing back, but in the inside I'm hurting or in pain or, or just struggling. And I feel like many of us are at this, in this season, are, are struggling in our vulnerability. And for particular, we, we've experienced our foundations of our life has been shattered and many for us especially for me you know everything that has my life has been built on has been shaken to the very core that in which i i trusted and had confidence that there was instability now sorry had stability now is instability those things that i was certain of now i have questions in those those things where an areas that i thought were strong now i see that there's revealing cracks and weaknesses and vulnerabilities that I need to focus on and allow Jesus to work in. And it's brought me to this place where I am right now, where I've received this fresh revelation that I don't just need or desire or want, but I desperately can't live without the grace of God. I need the grace of God. I rely on the grace of God. I depend on the grace of God. I cannot take another step, yet take another breath without the grace of God in my life. And if I'm to be vulnerable to myself and to God, I need God. I need him in my life. I need the grace of God in my life. And this revelation has become so real to me. And it's, I've realized that the greatest thing I need in life is not more of blank. It's not more strength or confidence or security or certainty. It's not more comfortability. It's not more vision and direction. It is more of the grace of God. And I believe that we need more of the grace of God in our lives. And this would become a new revelation, a fresh revelation for the church and for Christians right across the world that we need the grace of God. You see, it's only when we come to the end of ourselves that we realize that we need Jesus. It is only when it is revealed to us our own brokenness that we turn to Jesus for his grace to make us whole. 
And my prayer today for, for you and your families and for us as a church is that we would be a people who receive a fresh revelation of Jesus that we need the grace of God because without the revelation of Jesus, there is only religion. Without the grace of God, there is only the law. Without the life-giving, life-changing gospel and good news of Jesus, there is only hopelessness and death and depravity. And Paul, he is so passionate about this. You can hear it in the words as we read it. He's so passionate about this gospel message and ensuring that every leader, every disciple, every church congregant knows and believes the true gospel and the true goodness of the grace of God. Now at this time, he's writing to this church in Galatia and they were going through a difficult time based on the differing directions that they were taking. And to be honest, they began losing their way. They had started to teach and to believe in a gospel that was not true. A gospel that had become more about what you do and about how good you are rather than about what Jesus has done for you. This was a gospel that had become more about religion than relationship with Jesus. This was a religion which says this. It says, give God something and then he will accept you. The true gospel is this. God accepts you. The question is, are you willing to accept him and accept him into your life? Are you willing to accept his grace? Now, to go a few verses preceding this scripture and we've just, we've read and focused on today in verses 6 and 7. Paul says these words. He reveals the vulnerabilities of his heart and he says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who are deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Here we see he's shocked, he's disappointed, his heart is broken for those of the, the young Christians. The young Christians in their faith are beginning to listen to and believe in a gospel in which he says is no gospel at all. It is twisted truth. Now in this season that we are in, it's been incredible to see so many people turn to Jesus. So many people lean on Jesus, rely on him, depend on him, but it has been equally shocking and disappointing to see so many people turn away from Jesus. It has been disappointing to see the amount of people who have fallen away from Jesus and his church. And the reasons are varying. The reasons are different according to each situation and circumstances, but it, it's not like all of a sudden people have decided that I'm going to become a different person and intentionally turn away from Jesus. But for the most part, not all, but for the most part, it is because they have either forgotten or never truly received from their, for themselves the revelation of Jesus. The revelation of Jesus that we need the grace of God has somehow become diminished within their lives. More times than not, what's, what's happened is the gospel or the good news of God has, they have began to listen to and believe in a, a 
different gospel. In fact, one that pretends to be the good news. And there's two kind of different ways that this can happen. The firstly is that the truth of the gospel can be twisted or either watered down because of liberal thinking and theology where it becomes a theology based on popular opinion rather than on the word of God. And even so, what can happen is it can be watered down because it becomes about what I want, what I believe in, and what works for me rather than than what Jesus is saying in his word. The other thing that can happen for many people, especially in this season, is that they can begin to lean into religious dogma and become so focused and obsessed on the law on what I do and how I do it and I need to be a better person and I need to. What happens is we slowly begin to believe in the pretend gospel. And I see this within our own congregation. I see this right across the young and old Christians in Ireland and across the world, it is a growing epidemic where people are beginning to believe in a pretend gospel. A gospel that is more about me than it is about Jesus and his church. A gospel is more about self than serving and sacrifice. My prayer for every person who is turned away from Jesus is that that they would experience a new and a fresh revelation of Jesus, that they would draw onto him, that they would become filled and experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus like never before. But listen to what Paul says. But any who then try and preach or influence or turn others away with this twisted truth. He says in verse 8, let God's curse fall on anyone including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let the person be cursed. Wow. <laughs> Talk about saying how it really is, but, but this is life and death. And Paul understood this more than anyone for this had been revealed to him by Jesus. Now listen to what Jesus says about this very subject in Matthew 18, 6. He says, if any of you causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, the believers, those, the Christians, the congregants, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I want to say to you guys, we got to get this right. Because just because your beliefs, your habits, your thinking, your theology, or even your pattern in life has changed does not mean that the gospel has changed. Just because your situation and circumstance and your way of maybe you interpreting and reading things has changed does not mean that the good news of Jesus Christ in his word has changed. So I want to encourage you, if you have turned away from Jesus and his church, I want to earnestly encourage you to get back with Jesus, to pray to him persistently, passionately for him to reveal himself to you in a new way. I want to encourage you, run towards Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if there's any in the meantime, to be keeping your thoughts and your opinions and your interpretations for you in this season to yourself for for it is damaging to those in which you share it with. 
but also equally so for anyone in your circle and your influence and your sphere who are going through this and turning away from Jesus, pray for them. Pray for them and, 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 and intercede for them on behalf of them, but at the same time, guard your hearts and lean into relationships with Jesus who are going to edify you and build you up and allow Jesus to reveal himself to them. You know, right now, the devil is having a field day with so many Christian hearts and lives because there are his many that have become self-centered rather than Jesus-centered. There are his many who have begun listening to and believing in worldly opinion rather than the word of God. There has many where the gospel and the good news has been shaped about what I do rather than what Jesus has done. And here's the truth I want to convey to you today. Here's the message that I believe that God wants to give to you and for you to receive is this. The gospel message, the good news of the grace of God can only be directly received through the revelation of Jesus. We need the revelation of Jesus. And if this past season, in fact, more importantly, these past few months have taught me more than anything is that I need the grace of God. I need the grace of God. I can't live without the grace of God. I can't lead or be a father or a parent or, or a husband or a friend without the grace of God in my life. I cannot follow Jesus without the grace of God in my life. For Sean Booth is insufficient. Therefore, I rely on the sufficiency of Christ. I am nothing. I am no one without Jesus. And what sad me is to see so many people struggling in their relationship with Jesus and choose to turn away from Jesus rather than turn towards Jesus. That those who begin believing and listening to a gospel that is a lie, that is a pretend gospel, that is the good news that is not the good news, rather than having a fresh revelation of Jesus. And it's not because of our lack of information, knowledge, and content. It is because of our lack of revelation and vulnerability. The revelation that we need Jesus, we need the grace of God, and the vulnerability to let our guard down and to let God in. We see that there's so many people who are struggling in this, and we need the grace of God. And Paul, he's He's preaching passionately this, this message because for him, he knew that it was because of the grace of God that the only reason he was saved, in fact, he describes himself as, I am the worst of all sinners. In verse 13, we see a little bit of his story, a snapshot. He says, I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. Paul was a violent man who, who vowed to murder Christians and he fulfilled this mission many, many times and it was an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. Verse 12 says that I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it. I received it by direct revelation from Jesus. We see in Acts chapter 9, it, it shares with us the story and the testimony of Paul as he was on the road to Damascus to, to carry out the, the murder and the extinction and extermination of so many Christians. In verse 3, it says that a light from heaven suddenly appeared and Jesus speaks to Paul and he says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. 
Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. You see, it was an encounter with Jesus that completely changed Paul's life forever. It transformed him from who he was as a violent man into a man who was one who was violently preaching the gospel and passionately preaching the gospel. Listen to Galatians 1 verse 22. It says, still the churches in, in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. We see it was an incredible transformation through direct revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listen to verse 14. It says that from a, very young age before he encountered Jesus, that he was a religious man who upheld the law of Moses and, and the traditions of his ancestors as well as many of the Jewish cultural customs. And it says that he was full of zeal, meaning that he was full of passion and commitment in his pursuit of living a life, you know, delicately and deliberately according to the word of God and upholding every single law so that it could make him right with God, but yet nothing he did made him right with God. Nothing Paul could do for God or for his church, or no amount of, of content or, or knowledge that he could have could make him right with God. But yet, we see this as a man who was broken in his sin, who was, who was trying to lead a life in such a way that was good according to religion, and it says that nothing that he could do for God or for his church could make him right. But yet, he says in verse 15, God chose me. God called me by his marvelous grace. That regardless of Paul's past, God still chose him for a purpose. He chose to lavish his grace and his mercy, to forgive his sins, to wipe his sins away. What an incredible testimony of God's marvelous grace, his, his amazing grace, his grace is, is, is free for all that is unmerited favor of God. Though we do not deserve it, he merits, he gives us grace and favor. You see, grace is to get something that we don't deserve. You and I, we don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be cleansed and made right with God. We don't deserve to be called his son or his daughter. And yet God gives us what we don't deserve. He lavishes his grace upon those who are undeserving. And though you may have many sins, maybe, maybe that's one of the things that's been holding you back is because of the shame of your sins, the guilt of your sins, even those sins in which for you may be unspeakable. And yet God will lavish his grace upon you. Yet regardless of your sin, because of his grace, he can save you. Because of his grace, he can renew you and wipe your sins clean and make you new. That he can give you what you don't deserve. In verse 15, Paul, he looks back and he sees God's sovereign grace working throughout his life. And he says, before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. He was saying that God was, was shaping me. He was preparing me. He was working things all together for his good. As you look back over your life right now, maybe over these past number of years, maybe over this season, maybe over these past few months and all that you've been going through, the pain, the hardship, enjoying great difficulty, can you see God's 
grace working through you? Can you see him preparing you and developing you into the man and the woman in which he has called you to be? For Paul says, he chose me and called me by his marvelous grace so that I could proclaim the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles. God has a so that for you. So that you've been walking through this so that he has a greater purpose and mission and calling for you. He has chosen you. He has called you. Can you see his grace working through your life? Just like Paul, he chose you. He called you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. God set his loving grace on you, not because you deserved it, but because he gave you what you don't deserve. And this is the way that God has worked right throughout Scripture. We see right as early as Deuteronomy and, Paul, and Moses, he speaks to his people in Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 and 8. He says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, because you were better than anyone else, because you had understood it a certain way, because you were able to keep your life going in a certain way and be strong and get through this, but... For you were the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loved you. God does not love you because of what you do or who you are. He simply loves you because he loves you. And that is the revelation of Jesus. Why does God love me? Because he chooses to love me. Why does God give me his grace? because he chooses to give us his grace. And the revelation of Jesus is this. When you get to the end of yourself, that is where you'll meet Jesus. When you realize that this is not about you, you will encounter Jesus. When you realize that life is not about self, you'll see Jesus. I want to encourage you, you may have become self-centered. Instead, center yourself in Jesus. Hey, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads right now? I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus, to surrender to him, to say, All right, I'm done, I'm finished, I surrender. I've been trying to do it by my own sufficiency, by my own strength, and I surrender to Jesus Christ. If you would be so willing to pray this prayer with me and say these words with me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I am asking you, I am pleading with you to become the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you today to rely on the grace of God. I want to encourage you to receive a fresh revelation of Jesus. Because I know if you receive the grace of God, it gives you exactly what you need, when you need, for in the time that you need it. I want to pray for you this week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you his peace this week. In Jesus' name, amen.